What is good, everybody? Welcome to the NBA Exchange. Dexter Hemi, first and foremost, happy Black History Month to everybody out there. Got to say that, February 1st, Black History Month, hopefully getting off to a good start, especially with some of the events that we've seen in our country in the last couple of weeks, which to Black people everywhere, not really that surprising at all whatsoever. Um, but glad to be back talking about basketball this week. Uh, my guy, Gerard Hector, hasn't been here for a while because we both have been doing some things. Uh, Gerard did a little vacationing, which I hope to do for myself in about eight to 10 weeks. Going to be doing that. Uh, joining Gerard in loving the beach life. I will be doing that as well, too. Um, so we got a lot to talk about with basketball. We are just over, guys. We are eight days away from the NBA trade deadline which is one that I'm very intrigued as to whether or not it'll be active or not, how intriguing it'll be. But of course, you know, there's a lot of talk. And so we got to do that. We're going to talk some trade deadline, talk some coaching, also give you guys the best bets going on for Wednesday's night's action. And we'll see how that does. 3-0 for your boy the other day with these picks. 3-0. So doing pretty good in that regard. There we go. Now, got to bring in my man Gerard Hector because it's Wednesday. You know that it's time for some NBA with nuance. This is what we do. We're going to have nuanced discussions about the trade. My man, Gerard Hector, other seven footers podcast. We catch him on True Hoop as well. Gerard, what's up, man? I'm good. Dex, what's up with you? I'm doing good. Shout out to the homie, Bianca Pert. Happy Black History Month. I appreciate you, sis, checking in on LinkedIn. Shout out to Bianca. Always see her out at Barclays doing her thing over there. Always. And I know, Bianca, you're watching, listening. I know you are riding high. For those Philadelphia Eagles. But I got news for you. Patrick Mahomes is going to do y'all in in the Super Bowl. Patrick LeBron Mahomes is going to do that thing. I think he is. Eagles got a good team, though. Should be a good Super Bowl. We'll see how that goes there. But, Gerard, trade season is upon us. Well, it's been upon us, even though trade season is not really a thing. But you get my point. I feel you. The first thing I want to get into is like, will this be an active trade deadline or not? Because there's always a lot of talk about this. And I think now with the advent of the playing tournament, you have teams that sometimes may think that they are buyers when they shouldn't be a buyer or think they might be sellers when they shouldn't be a seller. So it makes it very interesting dynamic, which I still like. But do you think this will be an active trade deadline or it's going to be pretty quiet? You know, it's tough. I mean, active in, you know, maybe in, around the margins, right? Like, but in terms of star players moving or big names, no, right? It's just, I don't see that happening for a variety of reasons. Salaries to match, right? That's the big thing you have to always remember. When you're moving big name players, you have their salaries that match and not enough teams have salaries that they want to move to match these big names, right? So you talk about a person like, for instance, Pascal Siakam or DeMar DeRozan, right? Like, you're looking at 20-something plus million for each of those guys, right? And that's it's considerable, right, uh, for teams to, to think about moving. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of things at the with the big names. But I do think teams are going to really try to work hard to work themselves around the margins, right, to get that extra shooter, that extra defender, right, that extra rim protector that they need. And the reason they're going to do that, Dex, is because of the parity. Now, Denver, Memphis, Boston – and Milwaukee and Philly starting to do in a certain extent, but not really, are pulling themselves away from everybody else. But if you look at the Western Conference standings decks, like the Lakers are in 13th place and they are 11 and a half games out of first, but they're only three games behind the Mavericks for sixth. Mm-hmm. They're only four games behind the Clippers for fourth and fourth would give them home field advantage, home court advantage, excuse me, in a potential first round playoff series. So you have, you know, it's just there there's so much parity in the league right now and especially in the west there's only a game that separates 3 4 5 6 right one game each that goes down and down and down. It, it's I just think that teams are going to be hungry to try to do something, but a lot of teams are going to be trying to do something and I don't know how many players and 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 picks and capital and all that are going to be available for teams to acquire. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting and I think with what you just talked about well, especially looking at the Western Conference, right? And and this is the time of year, right before the trade deadline, where you can start to see contenders separate themselves, even generally, but more, as Sherrod said, because of the parity that we've seen in the NBA and that we've talked about it. I think because of that, whether you're either A, at the top, being viewed as a contender, or B, maybe you're a fringe contender or a team that's looking to just try to make the playoffs, there's going to be that 
pressure, and I'm having air quotes here for the listeners here, there's going to be that pressure to make a deal. Which NBA teams do you think, maybe it's a part of the contender group that you mentioned, or it's some of the pretenders that may have pressure to make a deal, whether it's to buy or sell? Golden State is a team that, you know, their fan base is, and you know, it's amazing how fan bases get spoiled so quickly, right? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Y- 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 y'all were an afterthought prior to 2015, right? And then the Steph Curry renaissance happened, and y'all won four out of eight trips to the NBA Finals. Yo, that may be the high watermark of your organization's career. Enjoy it and be happy. You may never re- reach these heights ever again. And that's okay because it's hard to win consistently, particularly in this era of the NBA with free agency, with the amount of talent, with players able to move in different things. This isn't the 80s where the Celtics and Lakers had a monopoly on players and it ain't ain't how it works now, right? So now I get their frustration. Steph is playing like an MVP. We can't waste another year because we don't know how many more of these we have left. And to the point I made, this may be it for us. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? We can't predict. So they're going to want to make some moves, right? Who or what are they willing to give up? The young guys, okay. But of all the young guys who may draw something of value, it's going to be Kaminga. Well, they don't want to give up Kaminga. Kaminga's actually good of the young guys right now, right? He's a rotation player right now that plays big minutes for them. So it's a challenge, right? Who can they potentially get and who are they willing to give up to move off of that? Um, the Lakers, everybody keeps talking about. But honestly, and we'll get to this in the later part of our segment, the roster, I think, is fine. I think they have a coaching problem, right? Like, it, it's it, they're good enough, right? If Anthony Davis and LeBron are healthy, that roster's good enough to, look, they ain't going to win no championship, but they're mm-hmm. good enough to be above 500, right? So what can they what can they do there from a coaching standpoint? But like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. I just think, Dex, a lot of teams are going to kind of look around the Clippers. They need a point guard, right? Who do they get? Dallas. We know about Luka, but Luka and who? Dinwiddie's good. Christian Wood's all right, like, but is that enough? If Dinwiddie and Christian Wood are your number two and number three in whatever order you want to say, is that enough to get you to a conference finals or an NBA finals? Because in many ways, look, I know Dallas went to the conference finals last year, but that was kind of, look, I'm going to talk out both sides of my mouth. You should always give credit for a team making the conference finals. Right, right. However, sometimes the, 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 the way that the, the brackets shape up for you, it works itself out pretty well, right? It turns out that, Phoenix was a bit fraudulent last year, right? And we learned about that with the whole Aiton situation. And, and, you know, they were able to beat them and get to the conference finals. But we saw once they went up against the Golden State Warriors, it wasn't even a contest, right? They dismantled them pretty quickly. So who can they get, right? And do they ha- what do they have to give up and trade in, in, in order to acquire something? Does Brooklyn get a shooter and a backup big, more size? You know, these are the questions you have to ask yourself. Yeah, it is, it is a question you got to ask yourself. You mentioned Dallas, and I didn't even put them on our rundown here today of, of teams to discuss, but they're an interesting team to me because it's like, hey, do you try to get Luca a co-star? And I'm not mm-hmm. sure who that is. And this yeah, is something I, don't I, talk, really, yeah. Yeah. I don't know who that is. And I talked about this with Lauren Gunn when she was here on the show. And, you know, we also talked about the fact that maybe they wait till after the season, which I actually think is probably the better, more logical move for Dallas. Look, the problem for Dallas, too, is we could talk about last year's run and all that stuff. They messed it up with Jalen Brunson, right? Like this, like this. That's really the line that I feel like that nobody talks about enough with them. They really messed it up with Jalen Brunson. They should have gave him the bag early when he wanted, or gave him the money that they thought he was valued, and maybe they would have had him there. But it didn't work out that way. The thing for me is, are they a team that might want to take a couple steps back to go forward? Would they want to sell on like a Dorian Finney-Smith, who's mm. a very desirable trade-friendly contract? Trade him, maybe get a couple of picks. I, now, is Luca going to be happy with that? Probably not. <laughs> and you want to keep that star happy, but we will see. Okay, talk about stars that aren't happy from the same draft. Uh, let's talk to Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. Um, you know what? I've been a little bothered with the Hawks because the Hawks have had some dysfunction, clearly, in the last couple of years. And if they played in New York or L.A. or even Chicago, people would be talking about this a lot more. But they don't, right? And that's no shade to you, Atlanta. But they don't. And you, Gerard, you've talked about this from last year on the show, on your show, on True Hoop. You've talked about this in which Trey Young, the leadership, the stuff that was going on there. Now it's kind of all come more out into the open. John Collins is the name who's been on the block. <laughs> Since he got in the league, I feel like he's been on the trade block. <laughs> that man's been living on the trade block, right? <laughs> living on it. 
And now I'm like, what does this team do? What is, they're the perfect example of what is this team. And for those of you who were really high on the Hawks two seasons ago when they made their run to the Eastern Conference Finals, which I actually think might be more flukier than the Mavericks, but that's a whole other thing. What do you make of this team? And should they do anything? Should they shake things up? And if it's shaking it up, should the shaking up start with Trey Young? See, it's interesting you say that because at True Hoop, David Thorpe and I, we 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 didn't think it was a fluky run. We liked the depth on this team. DeAndre Hunter, they had Kevin Herter, Akong Wu. Um, obviously, you mentioned Trey Young, Capella, Bogdanovich. We're like, yo, this squad is nice, right? Like, th- they can do some things. And if those guys develop as we think they can, they can go places. Because they were defending, they were looking, and they played well in that conference finals. Trey didn't get hurt. Series policy goes even longer to seven, right? So I thought it was a legit run. What I didn't anticipate was the Trey Young problem. And look, you mentioned it, Dex. I, I, it sounds like I kill him on every show I'm on, and I'm not. But it's when that when you have an inordinate amount of power tied up in one person. That person needs to be an effective leader. And it's clear so far in his career, he's not that. And he's not a guy that rallies his teammates around him in his support in a way that a John Morant does, right? Um, you can see those guys are invested in his success. As much as Luca plays helio ball, the Mavericks seem loving it when Luca's doing his thing. You don't get that vibe with Trey Young, as I've said before. Now, I said this, and this, I didn't, this isn't reporting. I didn't talk to anybody down there. But I said this summer, with remember, Travis Schlank is no longer now the GM. He's now in an advisory role. Landry Fields is now the GM. There was talk about Nate McMillan potentially wanting to leave and get that dust up with Trey about not wanting to come out and go, go through walkthrough. I'm not saying they're going to, but I imagine this summer they're going to entertain if teams call and ask about Trey and what that might get them. Because mm. I think it's interesting to note, Dexter, you look at a guy like Kevin Herter, who now that he's in Sacramento, where they're sharing the ball, moving around. Look, and it's clear, right? Sabonis and Fox are like the guys over there. Herter is thriving in Sacramento. Why couldn't that happen in Atlanta? I mean, this is a guy that scored 37 points in a playoff game. Like, why couldn't that happen in Atlanta? Right. And I think think when I say I thought the run was fluky, it was not in believing the talent. There, the one thing I saw with that team that gave me a lot, a little bit of pause was I didn't love them defensively outside of a few players, and their best player was not a good defender, was literally statistically yeah, the, the worst, worst defender. defender in the league, yeah. and that's something I didn't like. Now, you can't change that. I'm not saying they couldn't win around that. It's just something I didn't like, and maybe this is hindsight, but looking back to your point, you gave them a lot of power. And um, he's not necessarily that dude to lead. To your other point that you made a bunch of times on the show, which is like, yes, the team as a leader, the people have to be invested in you. And when they're invested in you and they feel like you're invested in them and it goes together, even if you're playing heliocentric ball like they are down in Dallas, it still can work. I think that's a really good point. Um, Do I think they should shake things up with a deal? Yes, but I don't think it's going to be the deal that we think right. they're going to get. For, for, for right? who and for what right now, right? Right. Like, like, I, I, what do you move? So if you trade John Collins, let's say that. Right. Okay, what does that get you and how does that make you so much better? Right, um, right. You know, there's a bunch of places. We, our guy Brian Fonseca was mentioning OKC. And it's like, okay, well, what can you get and how does mm-hmm. that really make you better? I think it be, might be good for OKC. And OKC has a ton of picks, and they have a, a plenty of young talent they'll happily move, you know, and they can – Lou Dort would have to be involved in that deal for the salaries to work because he's the only person in Oklahoma City making any kind of legitimate money to match salaries. So, yeah, but, I mean, look, yeah. does Lou Dort help Atlanta? Maybe. Like, I just – I think that, again, to, to your point, something has to change around Trey. And then I yeah. think once that changes – I think Atlanta will be fine. And then it's also DeAndre Hunter hasn't like and de- development isn't linear, but something's going on with his development that isn't tracking the way I thought it would. Again, I, I'm, I'm not giving up on him, but, you know, uh, something's not right there. And then, you know, DeJounte Murray, I think, is an excellent player. Like, I think they're still going to need some time for him and Trey to kind of work that thing out a little bit um, and, and how they want to play together. Yeah, and that's my other thing. I wasn't super sold on that pairing either. I wasn't in love with that pairing, um, to be honest. And I wonder how long that pairing lasts. That's 
that's something I'm, I'm definitely yeah. thinking something to keep your eye on. All right, you brought up the Lakers before. Mm-hmm. Um, they have already been involved in trade season. They acquired mm-hmm. Rui Hachimura for Kendrick Nunn and three second-round picks. Kendrick Nunn looking like another one of those players that they leave the Heat, and they are no longer as good as they were when they were with the Heat, which would make our guy Brian Fonsey happy. Um, do you think there's another move for the Lakers to make here? And if there is another move, Gerard, because this is the point you kind of were touching on a little bit earlier, okay, where does that get them? Yes, right. there's a lot of parity in the West. You just talked about how they can get up to even getting home court in the first round, mm-hmm. and you made another good point that you would think the talent of a healthy AD mm-hmm. and LeBron should mm-hmm. be able to get them there. Also with Westbrook, who's been playing very good off the bench, mm-hmm. should get them there. Um, is there another move to be made? Uh, we know that, uh, let's take this, this is off the table. We know Miles Turner and Buddy Heal, that's not going to happen anymore because uh, Miles Turner just signed the extension. With well, yeah. so even though he signed the extension, he can still yeah. be traded by this trade deadline. I just don't think Indiana's going to do it because I think Indiana's like, we're too good to tank for Victor Wembanyama. Like, and they are. They're a game above or under 500 right now. I right. think as much as, you know, fans of the idea of tearing it down and like just, you know, get a bunch of picks and young guys and build back up. Well, you have the young guys already in Indiana, right? And I think that as much as you you can build a culture of winning, you can also build a culture of losing. Let yep. those young guys get to the play-in, maybe win the play-in and get into the playoffs. So what do the eight seed they get Boston in round one? And that's going to be right. a great experience for them. Let those young guys feel what it's like to be in the playoffs playing against a team like Boston or whomever might be the one seed, right? So I think they're, I don't think they're going to move those guys. I think they're going to want to go play in and potentially uh, play off if they get to the top six. Because right now, Indiana is 10th. They're 24 and 28, so they're sliding a little bit. But they're only five games back of Miami. I mean, that might be, it might be a bit much right now. But honestly, I think they're going to try to stay in that playing range and try to get themselves and see, see what happens. Yeah, I think they can. Now back to the Lakers. Lakers, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think they will make a move? I agree. Do you, bring, you brought up the possibility they could still have turned in trade, which is a great point. Um, do you think that the Lakers will still make a move here? Is there another move for them to make with this team? I don't know what the move is. Like, First of mm. all, what do they have and what is the move? Like, wh- 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 What are you trying to get? To me, Dexter, like they have enough good talent right now. Healthy uh, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Lonnie Walker the fourth. Look, Thomas Bryant is excellent, man. That dude, like, I, I watched him up close uh, um, this week. Played at Brooklyn and Barclays on Monday night. Played your Knicks last night. Sorry about that. Um, you know, like. Well, we, he, we, we ain't got to talk about that. <laughs> um, he's a guy that shoots shoots it pretty well from three, yet Darvin Hand does not have him taking more threes per game. I don't understand. A 45% three-point shooter, yet takes like two threes a game. It's like, let that dude shoot. He can fill it up out there. Um, Lonnie Walker, Winyan Gabriel, they're gonna get Austin Reeves back. I think again, with how good LeBron and AD are, Dennis Schroeder, like they, I think they have guys, Dex. Like, look, they ain't winning no championship, but a healthy AD and LeBron with those supporting pieces should be good enough to be above 500 and somewhere in that top six range. Yeah, and I wonder if like if that happens and they get to that and that's the season, even if they don't make another move, Gerard, and they get to that level top six range, they make the playoffs, whatever happens after that, and then they go into the summer, Westbrook's off, got the cap space that's gone there. Can we look at this as a successful season? They reset, they bring back Rui. There's some it could be all right. The Lakers would could they'll have more flexibility to make the move and they will not have given up. Their 2027 or 2029 first round pick. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, look, the, the problem is that we, not we, but Laker fans and, you know, casual NBA fans and generally to get this idea out of their head that, oh, when you have LeBron James, you're going to win a championship. It's like, yo, like the league is too good right now, right? Like, and LeBron is not mm-hmm. that dude anymore. Still excellent, but not mm-hmm. a put, put him around four bums or four dudes at 24 hour fitness and you go into the NBA finals. He ain't that anymore. Okay. Like, <laughs> He can't do that, but with a healthy AD, with uh, with LeBron, as I said, like they can be a pretty good team. And they get in the playoffs, they can get a little frisky. Do I think they have enough of what it takes to win four rounds in the playoffs? No, I, I don't just, think so either. And I'll again, see. I don't know who who do you get that's going to give you that right outside of Turner and Buddy Hill. But you're, again, that's not happening. You're not getting Miles Turner and Buddy Hill. That's that's over with. Who else is available out there? You're not getting OG Ananobi and. I, right? Like you're not getting Pascal Siakam like it. 
there's no what the Lakers need is another like elite. So the problem is again when you look at how rosters are constructed, when you have three max salary guys, they all yep. have to play like max salary guys for you to work out as intended. The problem is Westbrook, while playing well off the bench, he isn't playing like the level his salary commands. And the problem is that you can't fill that up with anything else. It is what it is. So now you got to get minimum guys and. Minimum guys don't really tilt the scales the way everyone likes to think they do. Right. And and there's only so many good of them that do tilt the scale. And if that is, it's probably a reason why you got them at such a bargain price. Whole bunch of stuff going on there. Okay, moving on. I had you know this was coming. Had to ask you about this. Uh, should your Grizzlies look to make a move? Because I think they're in a real interesting spot. They've won one after they lost five in a row. Yeah, I've always wondered what is going to be the plan for the Grizzlies at this point. You and I have talked about this off the show, and it's that, okay, would you go and try to add in another star? You know you're going to have to pay Bane soon. You're ready paying Ja. You're ready paying Trip. D-P-O-Y. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Trip. Should be getting that. <laughs> uh, if he continues to play the way he's playing, don't listen to the lies and the fake stats <laughs> and all that and stuff. Um, you look at all that, but it's like, would you go get a guy? I'm going to throw a name at you here. Mm-hmm. How about an OG Ananobi? <laughs> would you be you willing? That. Would you? I wonder. It's funny if you did. I don't know if you thought about it too, but he's a guy because he's sliding into Memphis would fit perfectly into what they do, in my opinion. Um, I wouldn't mind my Knicks getting him as well too, just just to, just a note of that. But it's about. Well, let me ask you for that. Would you like him? And at what price, if you're Memphis, would you be willing to pay to get him? I love OG. I, I think because what you're doing essentially is you're going to replace Dylan Brooks with him. I mean, replace replace Dylan Brooks with OG Anobi. That's what the what the trade would be. From a chemistry standpoint, Dexter, the only thing that gives me slight pause is so much of who Dylan Brooks is and his moxie and how he conducts and comports himself on the floor. That is the Memphis Grizzlies identity. They're the talkingest. Chest swaggy out, puffed out. We don't duck no smoke team in the league. OG plays with much more of a quiet confidence, right? So I wonder, again, OG's better than Dylan Brooks. Better defender, better shooter, right? And you're not going to get that volatility where he goes 4 of 17 because he's doing things he shouldn't be doing, right? Like, no, Dylan, that step back three, I don't need that there, right? But, and OG, again, 40-something percent, he's better in every possible way and much more even keeled. I think if I'm Memphis, that's a deal I definitely do. And I look at potentially moving Zaire Williams and or uh Santi Aldama. What do you think about I, I, him? I know I like Santi. Santi's gotta stay. You know, you, you know I like tall dudes. Like, you shit. like so Santi, the floor. You know, that's yeah. that. <laughs> if Gerard's on the phone, he's gonna be like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. He's not doing that. Tall dudes I, you I, shoot, <laughs> hang up. I do I do wanna I do wanna say I think you bring up a good point that I think people should because this is why we do NBA with nuance, but this is why you think about this. There is more to it than just moving players. Mm-hmm. Listen to what Gerard just said. He talked about how a player fits in the ethos of the team and what is the actual value to that, right? Like there's something to actually be considered about the value of that. And yes, we all shake our head, scratch our hair, want to pull our hair out when Dylan Brooks does crazy things with the shots, but there's another value in that culture mm-hmm. of that team that matters. And those mm-hmm. are things that... You know, GMs and front offices do yeah. think about. This is not lost on anybody. They do mm-hmm. have to think about these things. It's not about being sentimental. It's no. about understanding that there are more intangibles and other values than just the numbers that we look at on, on the court. And if you think you have a chance to win the title, Daryl Morey famously said, if you have a 5% chance, you got to go all in. The thing is, you don't, yes, Memphis is young and they have all, we don't know yeah. what's going to happen next year. I have zero idea. All right. hell could break loose. If you and Memphis is number two in the West right now, if you think you had a legit shot to get to a conference finals and NBA finals, you got to go in now. So, yeah, I would move, as I mentioned, Zaire Williams and either Jake LaRavia and a, and a first round pick is because Masai is going to want a first round pick. And that's fine. I, I would he give might, up. He might, he might want to. Well, he ain't I'm, getting two. Some, some, places, <laughs> some, places saying that, some places saying that he wants three. Look. Okay, like, come on, come on. Listen, I, I love OG, but three first round picks. Come yeah, on, I, well, look, come I, on, look, come look, on. I, I, I agree, but but you know, uh, Masai Jiri is is from the uh, he's like that Danny Eight school of fleecing. He can fleece you, we're gonna try yeah, to fleece. Yeah, and, and and we ain't about that fleece life in Memphis, so no. So if you don't, so if you don't want Zaire, a young player, uh, like I said Jake Jake Laravia and a first round pick for OG, and you get Dylan Brooks is expiring. And I got nothing for you, homie. Like I, I mean, because I we don't want to. 
we don't want to shake up our our future so much and what we got because the number one asset a team has are contracts that are team friendly right when you yeah. draft them you have so much more control but when you got to bring guys in and that's when you start getting funky you get into luxury tax and you got problems right so i think memphis wants to kind of keep and it's tough the warriors with their two track system you see the problems they're having it's tough to try to dip your hand in both keep a hold yep. of all your young talent and also go out and get somebody else it's it's difficult and robert Perra, the grizzlies governor said he would go into luxury tax so look again i love og you know who i'd actually love to get but let me hear i want to hear who, how, who the salaries would, would work yeah I, I think look if if we got pascal siakam then i'm like oh that's 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 the nba championship team because now you're talking about ja bane uh pascal and trip like right like that th- those are those are your top four guys like i we rolling um, with that. We uh, rolling. <laughs> I'm I, I'm a little afraid of that defensively. <laughs> yeah, like, you should like, be. And, and, and I mean, I mean, afraid in terms of what they could do to the league, like yes. that, like like the switchability. Yes. Um, because yeah. some of the closing lineups that you can go with, you can go small, mm-hmm. you can go with trip at the five. Mm-hmm. You can have Siakam playing some four. Mm-hmm. Um, even it, depending on what you do with the three spot and who yeah. you still have around, you know, it'll be still interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when you go big, you can play Siakam at the three. You can have mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Adams. At, right, the at the four, five and, and uh, at the five, four, excuse yeah, me, yeah. And yep. at the four. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. Okay, that's you. You brought up Siakam, and I brought up OG. Now, if you do that, Masai's definitely going to want. First of all, you got the salary to match, and I don't think the Grizzlies yeah. have the salary to match. Number one, and then you got you're definitely giving up first round picks, multiple first round picks, and that you know. But again, you do that to go all in because you're like, we if we have that, we think we can win right now. Yeah, and that's the thing. And the Grizzlies, there's no reason to think they can't win right now. That's why I think they're one of the most intriguing teams there. Okay, um, let's talk about my New York Knicks. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the Knicks are, and I've said this before through the year, I think the Knicks are in a fine spot. I am not a Knicks fan who's angry about where they are. I think they're in a fine spot. They still have a lot of their young talent. They're sitting at seventh in the East, two games behind Miami. Big game tomorrow night at the Garden. Knicks heat. Myself versus Brian Fonseca. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all should go yeah. to that game, man. <laughs> we should. We should be good. I probably want to throw Brian off, off, off of down, down the stairs after it or something. I'll never do that to Brian. Um, they need a shooter. They need shooting. I'm going to be very blunt about the Knicks need. The Knicks need shooting and another player off the bat that can help score off the bounce, particularly on their bench. Mm-hmm. Their bench has been struggling. It's been a lot of Emmanuel quickly who's become a really good player. Now you're hearing the Knicks do not want to give him up. I do not think the Knicks need to go swing for the fences and go get a star. I think they're in the place of, what'd you call it? I think you said at the beginning, moves on the margins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They are a moves on the margins team. And I think that's what they should look to do. How do we solidify our chances to get into the playoffs, stay within our culture, and pot- potentially be successful in the playoffs? I do not see the Knicks winning a playoff series, but could they be competitive in a first-round series? Sure. And... I think that's what they can do. Do you do you think they can't? One, do you agree with me that they need to add a shooter? And do you think they can add a shooter at the deadline? I mean, yes, but you have a shooter on your bench. You don't play, <laughs> so I don't. So I don't understand. Wait, 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 wait. Who's the shooter they don't play? Do not say Cam Reddish. I mean, you know I'm gonna say Cam Reddish. You know I ain't getting off. You know what? You know I ain't getting off Cam Reddish. Hive. I wouldn't classify. I wouldn't classify him as a shooter. I'll classify him as somebody that will shoot. That's why. Fair a shooter. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm with you. Like, but it, it, there is no star to get, right? So they're, they're what, what star hunting? They, they don't. There is no star to go get. Um, Brunson and Randall playing well, although R.J. Barrett not thrilled after last night. So after the last twelve minutes of that game, I don't know what's up with Tibbs. And then we'll talk about coaching when we get to that later. Um, you know, yo, yo, I, real, mm-hmm. real, real, quick, real quick on that, Gerard. Mm-hmm. Should we be concerned about that? Is that something we should be concerned about? If it because you're somebody who told me you've not liked his development track, you've been on this for a, a, a while. And to be clear, for the people who might come in for the first time, this wasn't Gerard hating. This was just observation on something a player that we've talked about with Knicks player development, a conversation Gerard and I've been having for about three years. Um, do you, with that being said, and I know how much you've talked about that, do you think that's a concern based on what you saw last night in crunch time that you saw Grimes and quickly on the floor down the stretch instead of RJ? Yeah, man, I am concerned because for his development, like where is he right now? And I know because he had the injury, right? So I know like he was trying to like work his way back from that. But Dex, like the shooting – since that season where he shot 40%, we get 34 from three. It's not good. 49% effective field goal, 54 true shooting. And defensively, 
Like mm-hmm. that's that's where he's like his calling card, right? But he's been okay defensively this year. Maybe you might even say bad. Um, so I, look, it, it, it's the thing about Barrett that like it gets you so like, ooh, what do you do? He has the profile Dexter that says he should be very good in this thing, right? Six seven, rangy, can get off the bounce, get to the cut, like all he has all the tools, but something's not happening somewhere. And I'm not. I want to be fair about this. It, I'm not putting this yeah. all on the Knicks. It could be RJ. Maybe he's not working the way he needs to be working on the right things. I don't know because I'm not. I don't. I'm not familiar with what his development track is. But I would love to find out because this is how teams get themselves in trouble. Dex, RJ was the third pick in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yep, correct. When you whiff on top three picks, this is what causes problems. Let's also remember that. They just paid him, right? Four years, 120, something like that. More so, than that. Yeah. So now, I mean, so you you say you're invested in this guy. All right, cool. But now you ain't playing. And so this is this has got me concerned if, 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 if I'm the Knicks. Jalen Brunson's doing well. Julius Randle is what Julius Randle is. I love right. quickly Grimes, Jericho, Sims, you got. But again, back to the development, I worry about them and their trajectory too. Because if RJ is still having is where he is, I think, although maybe Dexter, and I'm not if I'm ready to admit this, maybe he's just not who I thought he was. Maybe, maybe he's just this. Hey, I was having a conversation with a friend. My boy was saying that last night. He's a big Knicks fan about that, and that might be the case. I think I'm getting closer to that than I was before. Let's put it like that. But back I mean, to them. I don't want to give up on that though, because he's 22. Like, what? yeah, yeah, and I think he's sometimes 22. we do. And we saw a little bit of a leap towards the end, of, a little bit of a leap. I won't go crazy with a leap. We saw progress towards the end of last year. Um, but he's definitely regressed this year. I thought it might change a little bit after the calendar switch. We have not seen that. Um, and you brought up the good point. It's not just a shooting for me. It's a defense. He has not had the same energy and effort on defense, particularly sw- on switches. You can see it if you're watching the Knicks. It is not uh, that hard to not see that there as well. I know we had a rough year with being sick at everything earlier, but not there. You brought up his shooting. His shooting is a problem at 34% from downtown. He doesn't finish well enough still. This is a lot of layups. This is why the Knicks need to get another shooter. I'll give you some names. Malik Beasley is one. I think he could be a good player for them. I I wouldn't mind if they got a package and got rid of either Reddish and Hardenstein to bring back Package of Beasley and Vanderbilt might have to attach a first round pick in a couple of seconds. Uh, to that. I mean, people, everybody wants Vanderbilt. And I, think, I and I think teams are going to have better things to offer than, listen, I like Cam Reddish, but I don't know right. how the rest of the league feels about Cam Lee, Reddish. But that's fair. I just threw it. I just pitballed that trade off the top of my head. But that's a, those are two players I think that can come in and fit into the culture of what they do and be fine. The coaching thing is another thing that I'm coming to your side on. I'll get to that in a little bit later. Um, uh, Josh Hart's another guy I would mention. Mm-hmm. OG Ananobi's obviously somebody mentioned now. That might cost them a little bit more. A lot. Uh, a lot more. Um, you know, because they wouldn't have, like we said with Memphis, the expiring salary of like a Dylan Brooks esque kind of player. To but play to me, really Dex, cool. Yes, go ahead. Sorry. So if you get OG or you get Malik, like, to me, that's what you do when you're like, all right, that's that extra shooter we need to get. Like, Y'all ain't even that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, no, so that's fair. That's that's fair. Dude, well, di- well, then that's the thing. Maybe we should talk about that. That's fair. The thing is, Gerard, do they need to? Is it? Is there a point in them adding the shooter? Because I feel like that's kind of what you're saying. Like, you're saying, what's the point? What? Okay, let me say. Let me spell like this. Really, does, does getting the shooter put the Knicks in a position that would solidify them as a top sixteen? Would you say I that? Don't think yes so. or no? No. It doesn't solidify them. No, because they're good enough right now to be top six. So, no, I don't know. I, no, no. So, your point then is why make the move, right? Yes. Especially for a guy like OG, right? Like, OG to me is like when you're Memphis and it's like, okay, like you, right? It's like, uh, no, no. This I is agree. Now. Because the Knicks, as currently constructed, uh, uh, Randall, RJ, and Brunson, you're not winning playoff series right now with that. It's not, right? Like, they're going to target Brunson because he's small. Look, he's a fighter and all that. But, oh, Get him on our wing guy. You're going to do that. They're going to hunt him out yeah, and force you to do him. something different, right? Like, and then Randall, we know, he'll get shot happy and they'll force him to use that right hand, which he doesn't have. And, you know, it's just, you know, you know what's going to happen. So then the, the thing that Knicks fans are going to say with the deadline coming up is, well, how do we, Mr. Hector, get better at the margins? How do we make the moves in the mar- margins? The margins don't even damn well matter. 
How do we get people on the margins? What what y'all need to figure out is again, how do you because again and, and Brunson was like a margin player, right? Like he that's who he was, but you gave him four years like he's a he's a margin player, right? Maybe I mean I doubt he's gonna be an all-star reserve, but if anyone from the Knicks does get it, it's probably him. He'll be right on that cuspish area. But to me, he's the pick you make when you already have, oh, Randall is an all-NBA dude, right? He is that guy. R.J. Barrett is ascending and soon to be all-NBA. Now we got Brunson. Yeah, we ready to rock. But you and I know Julius Randall is not an all-NBA guy, right? That That's not a thing. And R.J. Barrett is not ascending. So, I mean, again, what are we doing, right? Like, none of those moves are going to win you a playoff series. Right, I feel uh, like Malik Beasley or Jared. I'm gonna win a series because you got those guys. That's not enough to do that. Right, it's it's fair. I feel like if you listen to Gerard, Gerard's out here talking about what y'all need to do. But notice when he talked about Memphis, he's like, "We need to do this." Like he was part of the front office. You would have thought you would have thought Gerard's getting a paycheck uh, uh, from from the Grizzlies. Shout out to Robert Perrell and people down in Memphis. You want to hit me up, put me on payroll. Happy to give you my advice. Listen, that 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 man will be thrilled to be on payroll. Thrilled to be on payroll. Um, I do I do think it's fair, and I do think this goes into what we talked about earlier with teams that have the most pressure to add stuff, and the Knicks could be considered one of those because people always feel like the Knicks have to do something. I'm somebody who's not going to be particularly mad if the Knicks don't do anything. Um, if they're going to get a player like a Malik Beasley, the reason I would like him is he also would be under contract for you next year. Mm-hmm. He's a player who can get into your culture. Same thing with Jared Vanderbilt. Those are why those players are a little bit more attractive, but I do agree with what Gerard said. Everybody's talking about Jared Vanderbilt and Lee Beasley. The whole league knows. And the whole league also knows that Utah wants to sell. So mm-hmm. you know what happens and with Dan- that situation? <laughs> yesterday's price will not be exactly. today's price. And Danny Danny is the master of that. So he's going to get all your stuff for what he wants. So, yep. I, you know, it, it, that- it, again, it, it's all interesting. And I feel for Nick fans because, like, like, y'all, you have the – look, you have the, the, the way y'all play in terms of grittiness. You fight, defend, tough. You're just a tough yeah, they got yeah. got an identity you just need that dude right like in order for you to get to that level you you need that dude y'all didn't go after donovan mitchell for whatever reason fine i ain't, i ain't mad at you for not doing it you did you made your choice whatever but unless you have that dude you know it's gonna be it's hard you, you well first of all not, it's impossible you're not going to be a top four without that I mean, that's just how it goes right <laughs> it just won't happen you know everybody talks about you know it's funny the, the rivalry between Brooklyn and New York and all that. And, what rivalry? Well, one, what rivalry? But two, the reason why the Knicks haven't beat the Nets in nine years is because they have Kevin Durant. Nine, 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 ga- nine games. Um, nine games, excuse me. Nine games, excuse me. Nine games, nine games. <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. So, so basically basically two years, right? Yep. Is because they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You don't. Right? Like, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. They got except, two, except, two of them dudes. Except, except y'all don't. <laughs> and they have losses where they haven't had either. In right. them. And the other day, there was no KD. And then, yeah, and whatever. There was that one loss they had when Cam Thomas went crazy on it. Whatever. It was crap. That was hard. <laughs> we don't need to do that. Uh, speaking of the Nets, the last team we'll talk about trade. Do the Nets need a backup center? That was a lot of the talk. Nets need more size. How will they do against teams like Milwaukee, Philadelphia, who we didn't even mention here? Um, how would they do? Do you think they need a backup center? But my bigger question is, like, who's that going to be? And where's, where's that coming from? It's not like there's a, a plethora of backup centers out there that people are just dying to get. That, also I might add, that you can play in the playoffs. That's the other thing. Go so ahead, Gerard. So, so real quick, Philly and Milwaukee need to do nothing. They're, they're fine the way they are. No moves. Those teams are good as is. We'll, we'll see how they, how they play out in the playoffs. As far as the Nets, yes. Nick Claxton, by the way. Not only is he in line to be an all-defensive uh, team member this year and a DPOY candidate, he's in line to be most improved. But the problem is we give most improved to people who make huge offensive jumps, right? You know, we don't look at the other side of the ball, uh, of the court, even though defense is half the game, literally, right? Like, when you don't have the ball on offense, you are on defense. That's how it works. Anyway, um, yes, because when, as much as he, and he, you know, that game they put against Philly and they lost. I don't know if you saw that, Dex. Claxton had no back down on him going against Joel Embiid. Like yo, zero back down. Yo, I, I was I was actually in Pittsburgh watching it after I came from the pit game, watching that that night, and I saw that, and that was the exact thing that I said. I saw a little skirmish they got into, and I was like, "Okay, Claxton, 
There's no back down. You're not scared of the moment. And I thought that was a big moment for the huge, Nets. Huge. Huge moments. But now, does that mean I think that Claxton is the Joel and beat stopper? No. No. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is not being scared does matter some. Having that moxie in the fight and doing that and showing some strength. And he held his own defensively. He did. So that matters. It gave me optimism for and, them in the playoffs. And yeah. it, does give, it does give the Nets optimism, but they do need a second a second uh, backup big because when they play against him and Giannis, you got to worry about foul trouble because, yep. Dex, I just don't know what the Ben Simmons situation is. And Yo. much much like how Russ is a max slot guy in L.A., and not living up to that contract, but at least he's giving you borderline six man of the <laughs> yes. year type of, at type of production. At least he's doing that, right? Right. Ben Simmons right now is not even playing, right? So this is a problem. You can't just replace that. And when Ben, again, all defensive, all NBA level Ben, that is a body that you can switch on to and be Giannis, who does more than hold his own. Because, yes, I know it's popular and fun to crap on Ben Simmons and say he's a beta and all the stupid things people do out there. But, yo. This dude was all NBA and all defense for a reason. Damn good at, at the things he does. Yes, not shooting. He's very good at those things. But I just, I, I don't know if he's ever going to get back to that this season, right? It's not looking good right now. We're past the halfway point. So yeah, they're gonna have to figure something out. You know, I was looking, I mentioned Thomas Bryant earlier. Yeah, Thomas Bryant, and he's making like 1.8 million. So like, can they pry him away from the Lakers, the Nets? Because I think he'd be great in Brooklyn. And you could actually play him and Claxton together because Thomas Bryant shoots threes. So you got plenty of space. The question is... The Lakers need him, though. Are, are the Lakers dumb enough to give him up? I don't. I, I doubt it. You know, everyone likes to crap on Rob Palenka. He ain't dumb, right? So, but that's yeah, the kind I, of I guy that. That, that would be helpful for them. Otherwise, I mean, Hartenstein, eh, I mean, you know, there, there aren't... Andre Nas Drummond, Reed. Nas Reed, maybe John Collins, but they won't have enough to get John Collins, and he's still a little light in the button. Smalls, so you know, Mo, I, Mo, Mo Bamba, Mo maybe. Bamba will stretch the floor, but again, he don't give he, you that size, that and, you, and, and, and he, he's foul prone too. And he's never, prone. he's never played in the playoffs. So oh, I mean, we're, hey, buddy, I need you to give me six, six, three good minutes against Joel Embiid. Shit. He might get four fouls, and get, right? You know what I mean? Like I just, every 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 trip down the floor is a dump wow. into a beat. Right, exactly. That could you be know? bad. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's not a whole lot available. No, there isn't. Which is going to make them interesting. You you said you don't think uh, Philly needs to make a move. I don't. You don't think Milwaukee needs to make a move. I Which don't. contender do you think is likely to make a deal? Is it Boston? Is it the Nets? Boston ain't got nothing either. I mean, they're like a best record in the league, number one adjustment yeah. rating. We Denver, do. Denver may do something to shore up their defense. They got to kind of figure something out. We mentioned Memphis uh, potentially making mm-hmm. a move. I think Brooklyn will try to figure something out. The thing is, it was like, oh, you know, you got Seth, Patty, and Joe. Get rid of them to give it. You need shooting in the postseason. You can never have enough shooting. So, yep, I don't think it, it, they get rid of any of those guys. I think you know Brooklyn may end up standing pat, and they go to the waiver wire and see what they can get. They do have a trade exception, so we'll see. They maybe figure out what to do with that. Who knows? But I think Brooklyn likely to try to do something again. Margins, the thin, thin margins. Memphis, I mentioned. Denver for sure. Show up that defense. But you're if you're Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, feeling pretty good about who I am right now. You know, I don't know that I need to do a whole lot. We'll see if they go into that. We want to talk about this before we move on to bets real quick and wrap up. Um, the value of coaching and in the NBA, and it's something that I find very interesting because when you look at other sports, you can look at things and say, okay, well, how much does it matter? I've long argued that I don't think the manager in baseball matters as quite as much as people say that that person does. Like, I'm not sure how much they impact winning in day-to-day. Some of that is baseball being too long and all this other stuff. But in the NBA, coaching can matter a lot. And let me bring this up in the context of one thing. I have been watching something, and I want the people to know this. I've been watching something, okay, <laughs> with my New York Knicks. And I've come to this conclusion. And then I think, I think Gerard's laughing because he probably knows where I am. Sometimes with coaching guys, there's coaches that get you to a point. And that's good. It's not, the, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It gets you to a point. I'm going to speak specifically about the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau's gotten the Knicks to a good point. Got a good culture. They play hard. You know what I mean? Gerard just told you how they play with that 
that workman style. They're going to be physical. And I like it. Knicks fans like it. This is what we like from 90s Knicks basketball. I'm not saying you got to beat everybody up because we know that's not better basketball. But when you look sometimes at the Knicks and you watch offensive sets, I'm like, man, some of this stuff looks like things from the early 2000s. What are we doing? And sometimes you need another coach that's going to take it to the next level, not a new voice, just modernize some things, bring some, bring some different ideas in. That's actually where I think the Knicks are. That's where I think they are. And I think you're seeing the impact of coaching in two ways. One, in the fact that you need somebody to get you to a point to change a culture, and that actually matters. But then two, sometimes that's as far as it can go, and you need somebody to take you to the next point. Now, conversely, this is where I bring Gerard back in. Sometimes you can get a coach. You might have had a development coach like the Nets did with Kenny Atkinson. Mm-hmm. And then you bring in a coach like Steve Nash. And Steve Nash didn't look like he had <laughs> stuff to get them to the next level with a couple superstars. I wonder why. Now you have a coach like Jacques Vaughn that seems to be getting some things out of them that Steve Nash isn't. So I say that all to set up Gerard and what I know Gerard wants to talk about in the fact that coaching does matter in different ways. But I think one of the things that's important is sometimes recognizing when you've reached that point and when you may need a new voice or new ideas to push your team or your franchise to the next level. And so the value in it, Gerard, the question I would have to you is the value in just not like who you select as coach, but also recognizing how that coach either A, fits with your personnel or the vision of what you are trying to make your team be. Oh, uh, that, that's it, Dexter. I think coaching to me in the NBA, along with the right front office and ownership partnership, that's the X factor, right? If all other things are equal in terms of talent on the floor, the team that's got the better coach, I'm going to give them the edge, right? Because tactically, they're going to do some different things, right? Because they're more imaginative. Um, you have coaches that are very, you know, uh, uh, dogmatic in their approach, right? It's my system. This is how I do things. And we ain't, I mean, <laughs> as, as a Knicks fan, you know that about your guy Tibbs, right? There are other coaches like Ty Lu who's like pragmatic, like, if that ain't working, we ain't doing that. Scrap, going to something else. Whatever's going to get me a win because that's all I care about, right? That's one piece. The other piece is, and I know this is difficult for fans to wrap their heads around, the relationship coaches have with their players matter. Like, I know you all think, like, this ain't, you know, this ain't youth sports. This ain't about that. These guys are making millions of dollars, da, 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 whatever. Just come to work and do your job. It's like, Okay, yeah, but think about yourself. When you have a manager or someone that's invested in you, not just Mm -hmm. at the job, but invested in you overall, how do you perform for that manager versus for someone else who's not as invested, right? You work a little harder, don't you, right? You, It's the same with these guys, right? Like, who's invested in me? Who actually cares about the whole me and not just what I'm doing at this place here? Who has the voice to hold superstars accountable? There is a way for whatever reason you just mentioned it. I don't know what the Steve Nash situation was, why he couldn't get accountability out of those guys, right? And you heard the stories about Kyrie, Nash calling a play, Kyrie, like, now nah, we're doing something else. You watch him talk to Jock Vaughn. That ain't the vibe you get. He's looking at Jock. Jock says, all right, cool, we're doing that. Like, wh- what's the difference? What what happened? What Right? What is it about the connection that he was able to, 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 to make that Nash wasn't able to? And so coaching is so, so critical, Dex. And, you know, the league is full of just not great coaches, right? I mean, let, let's just be honest. And part of the problem is that you have incentives that don't line up, right? You have coaches that are literally coaching for their lives day to day. They worry about, we got to win every night because if we don't, so young kids don't get played and they get stuffed buried in the back of the bench. And then coaches are constantly worried about assistant coaches getting too friendly with their star player. because They might take their job. It's just yeah. all this. It's just this constant, like, you know, Game of Thrones viper pit. (laughs) And it's just like, what what are we doing, man? Like, and so, again, the best organizations can weather these kinds of things because everything's set up well, right? Relationship between GM, coach, player, right? Like we see in Golden State. Like I think we see in Memphis. uh, Like, you know, we're apparently seeing in Boston, like these different places. And, And I think those things matter. And so... When you are an organization, whom you select as that coach, critical, man, because that person's got to have a vision for here's what I see, here's what I see in the future, here's how I'm going to adopt or adapt as time and things change to get us to that point, right? Yes, you have a core philosophy of what you believe in, how you want to teach certain things, but hey, man, it's the NBA. Things change radically. 
I see that this works. Cool. Let's go work on that. Right. And not be so wedded to your own personal religion that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to ignore what you know works. Right. I mean, how long is the league? I mean, now they don't, but the league ignored threes forever. Right. Like, and now they're like, even the most stingy coach is like, ah, right, we got to shoot more of these. You know what I mean? Like yep. it, it, one last thing I'll say, Jacques Vaughn, since Durant's gone down, the team's kind of shifted the way they played, right? Mm-hmm. Vaughn's like, we don't have the mid-range. I mean, he didn't say the mid-range god, but essentially what he said, right? We don't have the mid-range god anymore. So we got to, I want to shoot 53s again. We got to play with more pace. He wants more possessions because he knows we don't have the automatic guy who it don't matter. Shit breaks down. Seven, got it, right? Damn near 60% from the mid-range, right? We ain't worried, but I don't have that luxury now. So we got to do other things to compensate, right? That is not being wedded to any kind of system. It's I'm wedded to the system that's getting us wins, whatever that's going to be. And so I think it's important that coaches do that and not enough coaches do that and not enough coaches take the time to build relationships with their players. All that stuff matters. And I think for any coach to survive now, you're going to have to do that more. Um, And you need the backing of the front office, like Gerard always says, like you see in Golden State, like you see in Miami, like you see in Toronto, um, San Antonio different places like that. You're able to see all that. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to give you our best bets for Wednesday night. Help you guys to win some money because that's what we do here on the NBA Exchange. Quick break. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over-under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. All right, we are back on the NBA Exchange. Time to talk some betting here. Uh, slated good games tonight in the NBA for us to talk about some really good ones as we're approaching the trade deadline. We're approaching the all-star break. Gerard, what you got first? I'm going to go, shock of all shocks, Portland Trailblazers at Memphis Grizzlies. What a shock. <laughs> Grizzlies are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Portland, plus 185, uh, over under 239-and-a-half. Look, I-, I think Memphis has kind of figured some stuff out. First of all, Portland can't guard, so I'm going the over in that game. I like Memphis to win. I like the points there. So to take the points. Um, Memphis to win that by six or more. I like the over there again, as I mentioned, because Portland can't guard. Look for Desmond Bain. If you want to do a single game parlay, Desmond game, Desmond Bain, two plus threes. John Morant, 25 plus point. Jaron Jackson Jr., two plus blocks and a Grizzlies win. Uh, if you don't want to go four different things because you're like four things are difficult, just pick those three without the Memphis win. That's pretty much a lock, I'd say. Uh, see what kind of odds odds you're getting there on that. All right, that's a good one. I was wondering why that line was so low, and I just looked at it, and it's a possibility that Memphis will not have Desmond Bain in this one. So keep mm-hmm. your eye on that. Watch, one. watch that for the parlay. Yeah, I was watch. I was wondering. I was like, why is that line low? And then I just looked, and I was like, yeah, because I felt like the Grizzlies should at least get a couple more points there at home. But like, I know they lost five out of the last six, but still. I thought that was low, although I do love that over for that over 239 and a half. I absolutely love that. Uh, my first game, I got the Golden State Warriors. They are three and a half point favorites on the road at the Minnesota Timberwolves. Timberwolves plus 140 in that money line. Over under here is 238, so points are expected to be had. Now, with the Warriors, here's what I've been liking. They've been playing better late. But what's been the thing we've talked about with the Warriors all season long, guys? They've been crappy on the road. Five out of the last six on the road, they have won. They've been playing really good. Minnesota, they were streaking before they played Sacramento the other night. I told you guys to take Sacramento because I don't trust Minnesota at all at home. Don't trust Minnesota at all again here. Love the Warriors right now. I think the Warriors are starting to turn the corner, guys. I think this is the run that we're starting to see. You've seen them play better on the road. They're more focused. They're 26 and 24 now. They're two games above 500. The defense is starting to pick up. 
And I think they know that they've got to take care of business against teams like this on the road, that being the Timberwolves, without Carlton Towns, their best player. They know they got to take care of business. I think they do. Low spread, nice enough for me to touch it at the three and a half. I like the Warriors to cover here. Give me that. Not trusting the Timberwolves. And I think the Warriors are starting to find their identity that we did not see from them early in the season. It's just a team. I like the way they're playing right now, like how they're playing on the road. I think they're making six out of their last seven on the road with a win here tonight and cover. I like it. Uh, next game, we're going Brooklyn Nets at Boston Celtics. That is the national game on ESPN tonight. Celtics is nine and a half point favorites. Over under big line, big line. That's a big line. I'm tempted to actually go the other way and take the points. I think Brooklyn huh. will keep this game close. Like they've been playing well and they found something lately. And if they continue that formula that Jock Vaughn wants and get up 50 threes and they make 20 of them, I mean, you make 20, 25 threes a night, it's going to be hard to beat you. So I, I, I'm going to take the ones. I'm not saying Brooklyn for the outright rental, so I take the money line, but I'll take the points <clears throat> if I'm Brooklyn. And then in terms of single game parlays, Look for Jason Tatum, who's been just killing 25-plus. Robert Williams will play tonight. Uh, look for him to have a block. And Jalen Brown, 20 points on the Celtics side. On the net side, look for Kyrie to continue his scoring ways, 25-plus for him. Look for two made threes each from Seth Curry and Utah Watanabe. Uh, also, Nick, Nick Claxton block, block props. Look for at least two-plus for him as well. Yeah, his line has been around over two-and-a-half pretty consistently. Because he can, he can get there. So look for him. I think it's a good matchup for him to get some blocks here mm-hmm. uh, with the wings of Boston driving this. That's one to look at, too. My last game, I've got the Kings. They are at the Spurs. I told you all to take the Kings against the, uh, against the Wolves, excuse me, to cover. And they did that the other night. Here's the thing with the Kings. They had lost three in a row before that game in Minnesota. Now they've won one. I told you, the way this team's being coached, you can tell by Mike Brown, they're focused on making the playoffs. That is the goal. And they know they can't afford to drop any games they don't need to. This is one of them right here where you're playing the Spurs on the road, a team that will play hard. I think this line is seven and a half is good enough for the Kings to cover. I think they were able to do that. I think they are not focused, as I said, on dropping any games. I thought Minnesota was one of those. I think this is another one. I think they know they also have a huge chance to gain home court advantage and they want to start putting together some wins. So you had a three game loser streak. Now can you put together a streak and win two in a row? So I really like this. My prop to look at in this game, where they're seven and a half point favorites, the Spurs plus two fifty five on that money line over under two forty four and a half. Now that two forty four is a little bit too high for me to touch on the over unders. I'd stay away from there. But in terms of props, if you think this could be a blowout, which I think it could be on the Kings and they're going to get minutes maybe later, some shooters that can get some threes. This is also if you like some three point props, take a look at our guy Red Velvet here in this one. Uh, anything with him over two and a half threes. Also look at Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray's been shooting the ball really well lately. Look at this prop with him over 18 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. He's hit this number, I believe, in nine of his last 15 contests since the start of January. So he's been consistently doing that, getting minutes and making threes. He's a good guy to look at in terms of a prop. I think that's a good value prop you can find in this game with Keegan Murray. He's been balling well. He's been a really good rookie. That's a good find by Sacramento. And he's getting enough rotation minutes that if this does turn into a blowout, I think he gets enough points at least or rebounds and assists to get you over that 18 and a half line. So give me that. I like that there with that. So that's my prop. I like the Kings to cover here. Wouldn't even alter alter the spread. I think they take care of business down in the Alamo City. There we go. Those are your picks. The best bets for Wednesday night. You know how we roll. But win some money with us, man. Y'all right. Always. Win some money. Gerard has been good with NBA with nuance with you. What's interesting is I wonder what we talk about next week in terms of trades, because when we do this mm. next Wednesday, we're going to be so much closer to the deadline. And will we have seen some trades before then? Will the market have shifted? That's going to be the interesting thing. We'll see I think so. Yep. We'll see what happens over the next couple of days. That is Gerard Hector. Please check out his work with the seven footers podcast. Check him out on true hoop as well. They bring you podcasting twice a week. Also subscribe to true hoop the great articles they do please support independent journalism people we know we need to continuously do that i'm dexter henry gerard and i will be back next week on friday uh we will have a guest to talk about what is the state of los angeles basketball we'll be talking lakers and clippers first time guest to the show gerard is rolling his eyes because he feels like the state of los angeles basketball 
it's probably not as great as people in Los Angeles. I mean, at least, at least the Lakers, it ain't. <laughs> Clippers out here living the life, but I feel like they've been skating by. That's a question I'm going to have for our guests. They need to get some wins. They need I to do. finally let's see if this experiment could work. We haven't seen anything really come out of the Kawhi PG-13 experience. So a lot of questions to talk about that. Gerard will be back with us next week. We'll do another NBA with Nuance, and then hopefully we'll have some trade deadline wrap-up towards the end of next week. A lot going on in February. Black History Month, off to a great start. Happy Black History Month to everybody. And if you're black, continue to keep making history, as we <laughs> always have to do. Please do that. That's Gerard Hector. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.